0: The title of this talk is The Three Mile-an-Hour God. It's a reflection on Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 31, which says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, last week's lecture 365, where Pete Greg is uh, doing a pilgrimage from Iona to Lindisfarne, he references the book by Kosuku Koyama, from which I've taken the title, The Three Mile An Hour God. That was the title of his book, which he published in 1979. And in, in that book, he says this Let me make one observation God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its own speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed to the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is the speed we walk, and therefore it is the speed the love of God walks. So the three-mile-an-hour God is where he comes to. And way back in the Middle Ages, people were making pilgrimages just as um, uh, Pete Gregg has been doing recently. And they would be uh, making their way most often to the Holy Land. And when asked where they were going, they would reply, à la santé, or to the Holy Land in French. And so they became known as saunterers. We too are pilgrims. We too are making our way to the holy land, to God's kingdom, to the future that he has purposed for us. And he calls us to be saunterers, to walk with him through this whole process. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. The three-mile-an-hour God. John Ortberg in a book he wrote about 20 years ago now talks about phoning an old colleague and friend of his um, for some wisdom he'd moved uh, cities and he was in a very busy church and he phoned for some counsel some advice some wisdom to Dallas Willard as it happens and after a few moments of listening and consideration dallas says to him when he says what should i do he says ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and john ortberg in his kind of humorous way says okay i've made a note of that uh what else and dallas willard simply said to him nothing else The ruthless elimination of hurry from your life is the most important thing. You see, we've been gripped by the kind of culture that we live in. We want instant gratification. We want it yesterday, if not immediately. As if there was nothing more important than my agenda, because after all, I'm at the center of the universe. And... Hurry leads to the place where we are distracted, we are rushed, we are fractured and our lives become fragmented. It's like the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland where she says, now here you see, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. Words penned many years ago when it wasn't quite as frenetic as it is at this stage. Jung also which must be around about a hundred years ago, said, Harry is not of the devil, it is the devil. We know what it looks like. We know what the problem is. But how do we deal with it? And I think Jesus so often, in the frantic times of ministry and confrontation sometimes, when there were crowds of people and disciples, he would withdraw repeatedly. And the passage that I read right at the beginning from Matthew, uh, sorry, from Mark 6, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. That's quite hectic. The context of that is that Jesus has called the twelve, as we find in the beginning of Mark chapter 6, he's called the twelve apostles to himself. And he gave them a whole list of instructions and then sent them out to preach that people should repent to drive out demons, anoint people who are sick and heal them. That's how chapter 6 starts and off they go. There is an interlude in verse 14 to verse um, 29 where we have the incident of John the Baptist being beheaded. And then... It comes back so that the apostles have gone off, they've gone out, they've gone to do ministry, they've gone to do what Jesus has instructed them to do. And they come back and they report to him all the stuff that had gone on, everything that they had done, everything that they had taught. They are pumped. They've been able to see things as we've seen in other situations. They come back saying, wow, this is phenomenal. They were so busy at that point that it says that people were coming and going. There's so much uh the the atmosphere is almost febrile. They couldn't they, they didn't even have time to eat. What Jesus does is he says, Time out. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's the New International version of of, of the passage in verse um, uh, 31 let's go somewhere quiet let's go to a remote place to the wilderness to the desert wherever it happens to be we need to we need to slow down we need to take time out we need to pause hit the pause button it's interesting that in luke chapter 8 jesus has told them about he gives them the parable of the, the seed that's sown and it falls some here, some there. And that final seed falls in good soil and produces fruit. And then they're puzzled and then he begins to explain the parable to them. In Luke eight fourteen, it says this. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. It's as if there is so much going on, there is so much activity, there is so many things that take their attention, not only the worries, but the riches and the pleasures, which could speak abundantly to our Western lifestyle and culture. But the trouble with that is if we're not careful, it says they do not mature. They do not grow up. They do not produce fruit. We do not if that's the way that we live. And the result of hurry, the result of being rushed, the result of all these other things that press in on us, is that our lives become cluttered with things that we must do, things that we must get, that we become superficial, we don't grow to any depth, and we have an inability to love. Hurry demands that we actually relentlessly eliminated from our lives. There's an interesting African saying which goes like this, the times are urgent, so let us slow down. And the author, Bayo Akumalafe, says this, he talks about this particular saying, and he says this, the invitation to slow seems like the wrong thing to do when there's fire on the mountain. But here's the point. In hurrying up all the time, we often lose sight of the abundance of resources that might help us to meet today's most challenging crisis. It reminds me of a saying that I've used before, but I repeat it because I think it's a good one, in that you you can't see your reflection in running water. And the idea is that There has to be a stillness. There has to be a slowing down long enough that we can see ourselves and others and particularly that we can see what God is doing. In order to love, we have to slow down. There's no such thing as a drive-by loving of people. It takes time to care. It takes time to love. It takes time to listen, to give ourselves to someone else. But we won't become unhurried without taking some concrete and intentional um, action. Over the next couple of weeks I want to look at a few options in terms of the kind of things that we can put in in place in terms of disciplines in our lives. But maybe when it talks in the scriptures and the psalms and various other places of, of waiting on God or the way in which God seems to make us wait for him is his intentional way of slowing us down because he is, after all, a three-mile-an-hour God. So for reflection, as you listen to this over the next few days, let me ask this question and um, maybe make time for, for something uh, to, to think about. How can we learn, each of us individually, to live at three miles an hour and then secondly another question that is perhaps uh, as important is where can i make time for reflection for reflection on my day for reflection on what's going on in my own inner world and for reflection on what god is actually doing in and through and around me god bless see you on sunday